0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, good morning, Calvary. It's great to see you today. It's good to have you friends online. Also, we pray God's blessings on you as we worship the Lord together today. Thanksgiving, it's a great holiday. It's a wonderful time. It's also a difficult time. The, The holidays are difficult for people in adjustment or having lost a loved one. And so we want to be sensitive to that. But I want to talk today about a weapon that God has given us in the kingdom of God that is very profound and powerful. We want to talk about wielding the weapon of thanksgiving. Wielding the weapon of thanksgiving. You know, when we think about the weapons of this world, the weapons of warfare, the weapons that we come up with, I tell you, the weapons that this world produces can't compare to the weapons of our King and of his glory. Think about the weapon of love. You think about the weapon of grace. You think about the weapon of sacrifice. You think about the the weapons of the kingdom of God, like just righteousness and, and truth in the Holy Spirit. And you think about the weapons of presence. There's so many weapons of the kingdom of God, but thanksgiving is something that I've had the privilege to, it was actually drilled into me from the time I was little. And uh, Thanksgiving is a weapon that is remarkable in its scope and its impact. It's a spiritual practice that helps us to honor the Lord, to recognize His presence, and to respond to Him appropriately. If you wanna to respond to God appropriately, you're gonna need a vocabulary of thanks, right? Or you're gonna to need to learn how to do that with Him. Scripture emphasizes the importance of giving thanks to God for who he is, for all that he does, for his gifts and his works, and when we give thanks to God, we're actually expressing our dependence upon God, and we're expressing our gratitude for him, and the reality is that God wants us to learn how to wield this weapon effectively, and we want to learn how to do that today. We want to talk about that a little bit. When I think about the practice of giving thanks, I actually think of some of the benefits. So when I think about Thanksgiving and God asking us to participate in this spiritual practice, this reality, there are some benefits for our lives as we practice giving thanks. Giving thanks actually raises our awareness of the God who is with us. Giving thanks, you know we talk about we want to establish people in intimacy with God. How do you know if you're growing in intimacy with God One of the ways that you know if you're growing in intimacy with God is you're becoming more aware of the God who is with you. Thanksgiving actually raises our awareness. It's a way to fuel awareness of the God who is with us. And then giving thanks acknowledges that God is active. He's at work in our lives. I want you to know, even when you can't see it, God is at work in your life. He's at work in your family. Even when we can't see it, he's at work in greater Houston, our state, our nation, the earth. Our God is at work. Our inability to perceive it and see it it doesn't hinder him from doing what he is doing. And so Thanksgiving actually helps us to become a people Who are not only aware of god who is with us but acknowledging that god is at work and then giving thanks recognizes that god is two things he's faithful and he's good when you give thanks you're recognizing that he's been faithful for all generations he keeps his word he fulfills his word he will not let his word fall to the ground without accomplishing his purposes I hold on to the faithfulness of God for my life. I hold on to the faithfulness of God for you as a congregation and for our city. But I also hold on to this reality. God is good. He's good all the time. And even when I don't understand, even when I can't grasp it, and even when my definition of good doesn't align with his, I submit to the reality that, that his ways are right. He's faithful. He is good. And then giving thanks defeats discouragement, undermines depression, and actually disempowers anxiety. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit from Ephesians chapter four. But giving thanks defeats discouragement, undermines depression, and disempowers that chronic anxiety that chews many of us up. And then in the positive, giving thanks fuels our joy, changes our perspective, and glorifies God. So there's some really great benefits to this spiritual practice of giving thanks. What I wanna do is I'm gonna list some of the reasons why we give thanks. I'm gonna talk about the why of giving thanks, and then we're gonna look at two passages of scripture. Psalm 107, and uh, Philippians chapter four. We're gonna look at those two passages in particular and talk about the impact of giving thanks on our lives. So first of all, let me cover some reasons the why that we give thanks. Number one, we give thanks to God because he is good, the scripture says, like in Psalm 107.1. We give thanks to God because he is good and his love endures forever. And so he's worthy of our gratitude and our response, worthy because of who he is, He is good, and because he loves, and his love is not just short. It's not just temporary. It lasts forever. He loves you, and he never stops loving you. That's pretty radical. So we give thanks to God because he's good, and his love endures forever. And then we give thanks to God because thanksgiving does two things. According to Psalm 50, verse 23, you've heard me say this over and over again. It honors God and it prepares the way for him to do more in our lives. It actually, it prepares the way for him to show us salvation. Now verse 22 actually says, consider this, you who forget God, lest he come and tear you to pieces. Well how do you forget God? Verse 23 says, you need to be a person of thanksgiving because when you do, your are honoring him and you open up the way for him to do more in your life. Ingratitude actually is something that displeases God. And, and ingratitude can be a passive thing. We just don't acknowledge the gifts, the love, the kindness, the, the things he's doing in our lives. Or we can actually detest what he does in our lives. In, ingratitude can actually say, I don't like how God is relating to me. But why do we give thanks? We give thanks because he's good and his love endures forever because it honors him and opens up the door for him to do more in our lives. And then we give thanks because Jesus modeled a life uh, of thanksgiving. He, he modeled a life that that was full of thanks and full of praise for our God for instance, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And it said he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate. They were all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those that were fed was about 5,000 men Besides women and children. So we give thanks because Jesus actually modeled that for us. Here in this amazing miracle, he acknowledges and gives thanks to God. And then in Mark chapter 8, verse 6, in feeding the 4,000, he does the same thing again. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, who set it before the people. And they did so. So Jesus modeled for us a life of gratitude, a life of praise, and a life of thanksgiving. At the tomb of Lazarus, in Luke chapter 10, uh, uh, verse, uh, I'm sorry, in John chapter 11, verse 38 and, 30 and through 44, Jesus comes there and, and it says he's deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And so Jesus gave thanks in the different ministries that God gave him to do. He gave thanks to the Lord that he heard him, even in the midst of something he knew God was gonna do, but he vocalized that thanks so that we could have that as a model, as an example. And in Luke chapter 10, Verse 21, after the 72 disciples have gone out on their mission trip and they come back, Jesus gives thanks there. Listen to what it says. It says, in the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Father, such was your gracious will. And so we give thanks because God is good and his love endures forever. We give thanks because Thanksgiving honors God and opens up the way for him to do more in our lives. We give thanks because Jesus modeled that for us. But I also want to say from Psalm 100, verse four and five, if you want to know, uh, Pastor Steve used this word years ago and it's just stuck with me for a really long time. If you want to know the password for the courts of God, for the presence of God, it's called thanksgiving, right? Psalm 100 verse four and five, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You know, when you're in that time when it's really hard to pray and you don't feel like you're connecting with God. You think your prayers are bouncing back to you from the ceiling. You're not connecting with the God who lives in you or the God who is who is pursuing you. It might be because we're, we're, we're presenting him our list of requests, our demands, our frustrations, our disappointments, but we've forgotten the court etiquette. And court etiquette says, Lord, I got a long list of things we need to talk about today. But I am thankful that you make a way for me. I am thankful for you. I thank you for your invitation. See what I'm saying? So thanksgiving is actually the password for entering in to the presence, into the courts of the Lord God Almighty. And we give thanks to God because of our union and our oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. We give thanks to God because this is a mystery and a miracle that we can be one in Jesus. He makes his home in us and he invites us to abide in him. John chapter 14 actually says, Jesus says, if you love me and obey my commands, I want you to know my Father and myself will come and make our home in you. Oh and by the way, we're gonna give the Spirit to you, the Comforter, he'll always be with you in John 14 and John 16. And so, can, can you just wrap your head around this reality that God has made a life where he's at home in us and wants to be one with us? Not distant, not afar off. And, and it says we want to be a people who continue to live in him, be rooted and grounded in him, and we need to be a people who overflow with thankfulness because that's a mystery that ought to stun us. That's a reality that ought to just make us go, wow, thank you. Thank you, God. Why do we give thanks? Why do we give thanks? We give thanks because... It expresses gratitude for what we receive from our God, our Creator. In 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5, it says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the Word of God and by prayer. Do you see that? Everything that God has made, everything is good, and so he says the way to receive that is to receive it with thanksgiving and to consecrate it by the word of God in prayer. By the way, if you wanna know why we pray over our food, this is actually the passage that talks about that. If you've ever traveled internationally, you will obey this verse. As you look at the dishes that are placed before you, and you wonder where the food has come from, and you think about it, you're gonna go, Lord, thank you for every good gift. Thank you that you feed us, you take care of us, and Lord, I declare that this food was meant for my good and my health, and I sanctify it, and I consecrate it to my wholeness in Jesus' name, amen? you get to practice that regularly but you know when we sit down at our meals here I don't know if you still do that or not it's just a really good thing to do to just stop and say Lord thanks just thanks why again Jesus just modeled for us hey give thanks at the Lord's Supper Jesus modeled he gave thanks he broke the bread and he gave thanks just thanks is a part of who we're supposed to be and so you don't have to be religious about it. You don't have to stand up and say, okay, everybody be quiet. We're going to pray for our meal. Uh, that might not go over well in today's culture. But you can certainly just bow your head and you can pray and thank the Lord for every provision. It just reminds us it's another chance to practice this, this spiritual gift, this spiritual practice of thanksgiving and to wield a weapon that actually disempowers uh, discouragement, depression, and ingratitude. And then finally, we give thanks to God in every circumstance because the Lord actually commands it. Now, if you have your Bibles, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, in every circumstance, we look for something to celebrate, we rejoice, even in the hard things, the difficult things, we need grace, say, Lord, help me to see good, even in this situation, and then we pray without ceasing, so we 're a people remember prayer we 've defined prayer as not only talking to God but it 's listening to God. Amen. I used to fret this one this one was complex for me um, I just can 't talk all day. I have friends that are successful at that. they can from the moment they get up till they go to bed they 're just they 're able to pray without ceasing, but if you define prayer as more than just talking to God, but also listening, I can listen, amen? I can ask God throughout the day, Lord, what are you up to? Lord, what are you doing? Lord, thank you. Open my eyes. And uh, and to pray without ceasing is also just to be with somebody, right? It's just the word prayer uh, in the New Testament, proskenuo, actually means to kiss toward. So you just, you get close to the Lord and sometimes just to hear his heartbeat, just to listen, just to pay attention. So we rejoice, we pray without ceasing, and we give thanks in all circumstances. We give thanks in all circumstances and so we 're not thanking God for bad circumstances we 're not saying lord i 'm so glad that happened to me i 'm so glad that accident or that flat tire or whatever, but you can look around and say, "Lord, thank you, thank you that i 'm on the shoulder of the road or, or thank you that I w- uh, somebody came by and helped or you know one day we were uh, in Nigeria and we were heading to the airport and uh, we 'd had a very difficult drive and things it was just it 's just a different world as you 're driving in, in certain countries and and uh, because of corruption and things, the roads are not 100%, there's just a lot of challenges, and our driver just did a great job, I'll never forget, and we got to the airport, and there's just a sense of relief as you get on the road to the airport there in Port Harcourt, Uh, you know, we made it, thank you, Lord, and we're driving along, and I look up, and there's a car, it's a two-lane road, and there's a car coming, and uh, a car passes us really quickly on a two-lane road on a curve, and then this car sees them that's in the other lane. And so they made an adjustment and they corrected off the road into the dirt area. And then I look and they overcorrected as their car began to spin and they're headed right toward us now. So I'm going, Lord Jesus, we need your help. And then, then wham, hit us and we began to spin and, uh, and stopped by the side of the road. And my pastor friend, the driver, jumps out of the car and he's going, Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm going, What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he said, He said, Did you see what God did? He said, You see that culvert right behind us? If our car hadn't been here to stop her from going in that culvert, she'd have died. And I just was amazed. His instantaneous assessment of God's goodness so we're standing there and he runs off to go check on the lady and I look down and I'm trying to find the damage and we've got a flat tire the car hit our car perfectly and caused a flat tire it didn't cause uh, structural damage to the axle it didn't cause us to have a total vehicle I'm just looking (laughs) thanks is easy in that situation right and then I'm going oh dear oh dear I don't want to miss my flight, right? Lord, we need help. Lord, thanks for having you watched out for us. And all of a sudden, these two guys on different motorcycles just pull up. And my pastor friends return now. And they say, hey, do you need some help? And he said, yes. And in 10 minutes, they had the flat changed. And we were back on the road going toward the airport to make my flight. I mean, I thought about that as I was flying home. And I was going that was amazing, all the things that God did. He protected us. He used our back left tire to protect that lady and to save her life. And then he sent these guys that know what to do and they, and they were just gracious and so humble and just servants that popped out of the middle of nowhere. And, and my, my pastor friend all the way is just thanking God and praising God and singing songs to the Lord. I mean, man, what a way to leave the country, you know? There's much to be thankful for. And then in Psalm 118, 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. It's actually God's will. We're actually commanded to give thanks in all circumstances because that's the will of God. To acknowledge that he's good, that his love endures forever. And then Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We're actually commanded to pray with thanksgiving. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, that skill. And then Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So be a praying person, pay attention, look around what it is that God's wanting you to pray about, what you see that prompts prayer. So you want to be watchful. But you also want to be thankful. Because if you're just watchful and you're not thankful, you can get discouraged, you can get depressed, you can fall into anxiety and concern. And so we want to be a people who devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So there are benefits to praying. There's the why. That's just a list of a few. The scripture actually is full of verses that talk about the importance of living a life of thanksgiving and wielding this weapon that does so much for us. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verses one to three. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and he's gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west from the north and from the south psalm 107 1 to 3 and so in this passage god has actually rescued his people from exile and it says that he's redeemed them from trouble and he's gathered them from the land so that's kind of the background here and when we read the verses 1 to 32 you're actually going to see four experiences that the people of God had as God brought them back to the promised land from their scattering from their diaspora And God brings them back and then God gives us this chapter so that we'll know the power of thanksgiving and the power of our God in who he is. And I want you to know that God uses this, this is one of my favorite passages in scripture to pray. When I'm praying for people, like, like it, it talks about people that are being lost or people that are experiencing hunger or thirst, it describes how God comes through for those people in that season. It, it talks about some people escaped captivity and darkness by the gift and the grace of the Lord in their lives. And then others, it, it, they were experiencing sickness or injury, and it, and it may even lead to to death, and yet God intervenes. And then for some, it means making a hazardous journey, and yet the Lord is there to help them and to save them. And so the scripture says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy, his love endures forever. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so. That means we get to tell people about our God and how good he is. We get to tell people about how we see him moving in our lives, our nation, our family, and we get to testify just like they're doing in this psalm. So again, everyone can, has had experiences like this and can find in the scripture solace and comfort and, and seeing that as we give thanks, it's actually a weapon that God uses On our behalf, they cried out. It's interesting that in this psalm, they actually cry out to God in their trouble, and God hears. Now, in many ways, they were in exile because they deserved what they got because they didn't listen to God over and over again say, there's another way to live, right? And if you keep going down this path, things are not gonna go well. But isn't it good news that God doesn't let our sin define who we are? our brokenness, our bad decisions, our bad choices. Our uh, Hosea talks about our waywardness. You know, do you just ever wonder, why do you keep going off track? There's just this spirit of waywardness. We have a wayward heart. And I love Hosea chapter uh, 14. It says, and God's going to heal my waywardness. That tendency to be like a sheep that just keeps getting caught in all the wrong places. That's our God. And so, it also talks about the fact that not only did he did he respond to them and hear them in their time of trouble, but he rescues them and enables them. He, he, those that don't have anything to eat or drink, he actually enabled them and made a way through provision. And then others who were in, actually in prison, they were trying to come back and they were being stopped with gates and iron bars and, and they were being stopped and he actually broke those, he made a way he he broke open prison doors he he defeated strongholds that were resisting and hindering or he heals them or he draws them back from the the sentence of death that was on their lives or you know, some of them are actually having to come by boat and they're experiencing severe storm and God helps them. He overcomes that which is in the natural. Aren't you glad that you've got a God who helps you overcome the storms of life? Because there are some serious storms that come against us. And so we're going to read Psalm 107 now and I'm going to pick up in verse four. Psalm 107, verse four. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry, they were thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them straightway to that city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men, for he satisfies the thirsty And fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of Most High. So He subjected them or allowed them bitter labor. They stumbled, there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness out of the deepest gloom and he broke away their chains Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for people for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron some became fools to their own rebellious ways they suffered affliction because of iniquities they loathed all food they drew near the gates of death Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word from heaven, and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for people. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Others went out in the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deep deeds in the deep. For he spoke, and the tempest was stirred up that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken people. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for people. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the, of the elderly of the elders. Isn't that that awesome, God? When you meditate on what God does. I mean, even when the storms of life are going to overwhelm me, he hears my cry. And how many of those storms have not destroyed us? And it looked like destruction, right? Or we've experienced sickness, and we experienced illness, and we wondered, is this going to be the end? And we cry out to God, and God has had mercy on us. And again, they're hungry, they're thirsty, or they're, they're in these places of darkness, depression, discouragement, gloom, bondage. This is our God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I invite you to spend time in these verses and pray them, and pray them over your life, and think about some of the things that God has done for you and just celebrate his goodness in your life. There's another key passage that I want to talk about, Philippians 4. Would you turn to Philippians 4? We're going to look at verses 4 to 9. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. The scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And it does this in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is of excellent is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things and whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the god of peace will be with you so the scripture says be a people who rejoice exuberantly. We want to celebrate exuberantly. We want to celebrate joyfully. As we've talked about, God wants to fuel our joy. He's wired our brains for attachment to him and attachment to others. And so God wants us to be a people who know how to celebrate. There's always a party in heaven when one person turns around for God, right? God knows how to celebrate. He knows how to throw a party. We're headed toward the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so there's partying. The, the party idea came from our God. And, and the great news is there's, there's, no, there, there's nothing hung over after it's over with because God, when he does it, he does it well. So rejoice. Celebrate joyfully in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, it's interesting. When people begin to be exuberant, when people begin to go nuts and they're praising and they're worshiping, they're celebrating, it says right here, but, but let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, sometimes we actually become unaware of the people around us that maybe aren't as free as we are, or, or maybe are quieter in disposition, or they're more an internal processor, and so we're clapping our hands, we're whistling, we're going nuts. And he says, but wait a minute, in the house of the Lord, let's be sensitive, let's be aware of those around us, right? And so you can rejoice and, and be a true fanatic for the kingdom of God, but not lose your mind, right? And so you're able to do it in a way that it, it, it won't infringe on others. Now, obviously, there's going to be some people that, that won't understand what you're going through. But anyway, isn't it interesting that in the midst of joyful exuberance, of rejoicing, wild celebration, he says, hey, be aware of, of what's going on and help others around you. And... Uh, and if you look at them and and and, and you know they 're just maybe their brains are fried or their ears are hurting or whatever you, you you can go down a decibel right are are you checking out with me? You understand so we want to be a people like that, and why does he say that? he says, because the lord 's with you the lord 's near isn 't that an interesting thing in the middle of celebrating that we want to do that um, My son, my middle son, Timothy, he is exuberant, and we would go to uh, football games uh, at Baylor together. And uh, I am loud, and by the time I'm finished with the game, I have no voice left. But my son, who is quite a bit taller than me, he has a capacity to celebrate and to communicate that is beyond anything that I've ever seen before. And I've got to admit, there are times when I'm just going, oh, Timothy, let's tone it down just a little bit, just a little bit, you know. And I'll even look over and say, Timothy, Timothy, and, uh, and, and so I guess the Lord's talking about me. I'm one of those that's going, okay, I think that went over the top there. And, uh, but anyway, the, the, just being sensitive, right? Just being that kind of a person uh, who's sensitive. But then it says, verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so here is we're seeing the weapon of thanksgiving disempowering that chronic anxiety that's eating away at our lives Every day, you know, acute anxiety is you see a snake, you jump, you avoid snake, you respond to a real threat in real time. You know, the kid is about to run out in the street, and you don't have to think about. Well, I wonder, should I call their name? Should I run after them? You know, praise the Lord, you are instinctual, and you just go and you rescue the kid from going out in the street. Right? That's acute anxiety, but this chronic anxiety that wow, like like in their day. He's speaking to the Philippians and there are so many gods in their culture and everybody's living in fear that I have angered the gods and they're going to destroy me. For instance, are you aware that in the nation of India, they have six million gods that they relate to? Can you imagine the chronic anxiety of have I done right? Have I acted right? Have I appeased the right ones? Have I, have I done what's required of me? Do you see the bondage of anxiety? And so when he's addressing the Philippians, he knows their culture, and their culture has given in to worship of other gods. And, and, and there's a temptation to think, if I don't do it right, and, and Christianity was so countercultural, You know, they're worshiping one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They're not worshiping their pantheon. And they're not giving their worship to the king, the Lord, the emperor. They're giving it to another king. It was actually it was a conflictual and yet the lord says don't be anxious but in everything so what we want to do is anxiety can be with us in everything but everywhere where you're getting stirred up turn it into an opportunity to pray turn it into an opportunity to make petition and to present your question to god so yeah, you've got anxiety about money. You've got anxiety about health. You've got, you're getting stirred up. But the scripture says, so let God know. Give him your list, but do it with thanksgiving. Just season it, flavor it with Thanksgiving. Lord, I know you care about me more than I care about me. Lord, I need help today with my health, or I need help today with this relationship, or I need help today with this person at my school or work, or, or Lord, I actually need wisdom. I don't know the decision. Lord, this is making me anxious. What do I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? And so, Lord, I know you care for me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you're here to guide me. And so, Lord, here's my need, here's my petition, here's my prayer, I'm making my request known to you, but it's because of who you are. I'm thankful that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're powerful. Psalm 107 says, look at how you've come through in other people's lives. I wanna say, Lord, thank you for how you've come through in my life. Do you hear the difference? Sometimes we just, we start out in prayer and we forget to use that Thanksgiving password and we just start listing our things. And, and then we're going, God's not hearing. God's not listening. And our anxiety is actually increasing. But if we'll do it with thanksgiving, verse 7 says that the shalom, the peace, the wholeness of God, which transcends understanding, will actually guard your heart, which is your emotion, the wellspring of life. Rather than anxiety welling up, he will give you a peace, a shalom, and your mind, your thoughts, and your beliefs. He'll actually... He'll actually guard your heart and he'll guard your mind because the mind, man, the mind can create some real things to be afraid of, right? It goes down this highway and said, this is the worst thing that can happen. This is, no, this is not the worst thing. This is what's going to happen. If things keep going like they are and then all of a sudden we're in this cycle trapped in the depression, the discouragement, the gloom, the anxiety. And so God says, I've got a better way A better way is I want you to think on these things. He actually lists some things to think about. And so if you think about it, um, there are a lot of things in this world that social media, the regular media get our attention, and they just really wear us out, and they they bring us to a place of pain and panic and discouragement. So in this passage, it talks about whatever is true. Well, we know that one of the ways that we're, people motivate us is by lying to us. That's just, that's just people, it's hard to even tell what's true today, right? And so we want to think on what's true, but if we're not careful with our sources of information and our sources uh, of input, it can just be stuff that deceives us that, that's not true it says uh it says whatever's true, whatever's noble, Man, our culture focuses on that which is ignoble or whatever's right, our culture emphasizes the wrong uh whatever's pure, our culture stresses impurity, whatever's lovely it actually thinks about that which is ugly it identifies this and calls this as good, whatever's admirable, whatever's worthy of our attention and 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 it's just um well, and then it says excellent or praiseworthy. The truth is our culture focuses on that which is blameworthy. And so God says, hey, listen, I want to help you. I want to help you not to live an anxious life. So I want to invite you to be a person of joy, to have your joy in me, in your attachment to me, in your attachment to others, real community. I want to invite you to experience that. And then I, I want you to be a person who who prays and takes your anxiety and your petitions and your needs and you 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 season them, you 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 bake them in thanksgiving. And I want to show you how that'll overcome and I'll actually use that to guard your heart and your mind. It'll be a weapon that'll use, and it's not some pie-in-the-sky piece, but it's real meaningful wholeness and an awareness that God is with me in the midst of the storm, or God is in, with me in the midst of the circumstance. And then I'm going to give you a new way to process. So it, if you're only thinking about the, the negative aspect, you can turn every one of those words to a negative, Right? And our culture focuses on the negative. If you do that all the time, garbage in, garbage out. That's what's gonna come out of who we are. And so God says, man, I've got a better way. And then whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now here's the challenge. What if you showed up in someone's neighborhood or at some home or some country, and you showed up for a week, when you left, would you be able to say, hey, y'all just do it the way I did it, and you're gonna be closer to God. God's peace is gonna overwhelm you. Paul actually says, hey listen, what you've seen me do, what you've seen me say, what you've seen as the practice, what you've heard and seen in me, as the practice, as the model, he said, just put that into practice. Your life is on display. And so if we learn to live a life, for instance, of thanksgiving, wielding this weapon, we can actually model for people how to overcome the anxiety, the depression, the discouragement, the defeatism of our culture. And and we don't have to preach at them. We just look at them as as we're sharing, saying, you know, that was really hard. I really don't like that decision. I don't like that vote. I don't like this, this, what's going on. But you know, God has been faithful to me. And he's he's faithful, and I believe he's at work in my culture. I'm thanking him that he's at work. And we model that for people, and then it says that the God of shalom, the God of peace, will be with you. Wow. We get to show up differently in this culture. And we get to be these sons and daughters of light and life, And we get to wield this weapon of thanksgiving and we get to see what God will do. So I want to give you uh, just some practices. How can you increase uh, your thanksgiving? What are some ways to express gratitude to God? Number one, make a list. Number one, make a list. So pull out your iPad, pull out your notes on your phone, pull out pen and paper. If that's your technology, and just start writing down. And I do it as to under the Lord. Thank you Lord for this. Thank you Lord for, thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for the answer of uh, of prayer of rain for Houston. We had a terrible August, September, October. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you for how you're moving. Thank you for how you're watching over me. Thank you that, that this and this, just make a list, make a list of all those things. There's a, there's a hymn that we used to sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Could it be reframed, count your many blessings, name them ton by ton? <laughs> and we, we list them out and we pay attention to those. And I'm really grateful when I was young, I was taught to write out my thanksgivings in my spiritual journal and to just make a list of those things and tell God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. So that's that's an easy way to build thanksgiving into your life and to become aware. Number two, make journal entries of gratitude moments and reflect on those golden memories. I've actually given you a reference in my note to the book, The Other Half of Church. We've been learning about joy from Michael Hendricks and Jim Wilder. and, And they talk about write down a memory that you're grateful to the Lord for. Write down that memory and then write down what you felt and what you experienced in that moment. So you write down and you say, Lord, thank you. Here was a moment when I really was just aware of you. I'm so thankful for how you met me, for, for what you did in my life, for, for the revelation I experienced. Lord, thank you. And then here's what I felt. Here's what I felt, Lord, when, when I had this experience. And then go back to that memory and relive it what a what a golden uh, a gratitude moment or golden memories about you can actually relive what god is doing and instead of thinking about the negative the anxious producing the brokenness and difficulty you can identify places where you had these these, these gratitude moments, these golden memories, and, and you can experience, because God has wired your brain to remember smells and to feel things and the emotions, and you can relive that, and that'll actually begin to rewire your brain for joy as you practice paying attention. So go back and, and, and relive that. What did you feel in your body? Did you feel peace? Were you feeling lightness? Were you feeling freedom? And, what, God, are you communicating to me through this, through this peace that I felt or this, or this grace or this joy that bubbled up? What are you trying to say to me? And as you reflect on these golden memories, these moments of gratitude, it'll actually fuel your joy in the Lord. So make a list, make a list, make a list. Also, think about gratitude moments golden memories that you can relive. You actually need to have them accessible in those times when you're getting anxious, you're getting depressed, you're feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, the waves are crashing in. You wanna have these available where you can pull them out and begin to relive them with the Lord and you'll actually experience the presence of God as you're talking with him about that and asking him to let you feel that. God transforms us. And then finally, practiced interactive gratitude. Interactive gratitude. So my whole life, I've made lists and lists and lists. My journal is full of those gratitudes. And I told y'all at a, at a seminar that we participated in a couple of years ago uh, a, a, at this, the, the other half of, of church, they actually said, so just write down one thing you're grateful for and then ask the Lord what he thinks about it. I've got to admit, that never crossed my mind in all my years of following Jesus. To say, Lord, this, I'm really thankful for that. That was awesome. That was wonderful. What do you think about that? Or this person is such a gift to me and they make such a difference in my life. Lord, thank you for my wife. What do you think about Tammy? And so that's something that I've begun to practice. You just write it down in a real simple way and say, dear God, I am thankful for I'm thankful for this church and it's 40 years of sacrifice and love in following Jesus. Lord, what do you think about Calvary? And then you just listen and you just reflect and go with the impression that he gives to you and you write that down. Just imagine what his response to your gratitude might be, what he might be thinking, feeling, or saying back to you and write that down. And so you've made a list you're checking it twice. No, not that. This is the Thanksgiving list. So you're making your list. You're doing your Thanksgivings. You're, you're looking for, for gratitude moments or golden memories that you can actually relive with the Lord helping you and actually experience them to rewrite what's going on in your life during difficult, hard times. And then this one is you're doing an interactive gratitude. Dear Lord, thank you for. Lord, what do you feel, think? or or believe about that and you're writing that down and so you're not just making a long list but you're actually taking time to dialogue with the Lord so give thanks to the Lord so the fourth thing is just to share your gratitudes with other people practice sharing with others what you're grateful for so you've been practicing with your list, you've been practicing with the, the gratitude moments, the, the golden the golden memories, you've been you've been practicing with the interactive gratitude. And so the fourth thing to do is just practice sharing your gratitudes with others. In this world, as different conversations come up, the Lord will give you an opportunity to share. Hey, this is what I'm celebrating. This is what I'm grateful for. I'm just really thankful for this. And you don't do it in a way to put people down. You don't do it to manipulate the conversation. You're actually bubbling up with gratitude. And so it comes out in our language. What's important to us will come out of our lives. We share our experiences of gratitude with others. When we do that, we're actually together ramping up our joy as a community of faith. And so let's ramp up our joy. Let, let, let's let talk about the things for which we're grateful. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're a people who wield this weapon of thanksgiving, and it's one of the mighty weapons of the kingdom of God. Again, the Bible is full of spiritual practices, and I just wanted to point out this spiritual practice at this time of year, I think it's important to do to help us to wield this weapon that disempowers discouragement, depression, anxiety. Scripture emphasizes the importance of giving thanks for who he is, for all that he's done, for his gifts, for his works. And we give thanks to God, and when we do that, we're reminding ourselves, I'm dependent on you, Lord, and it also glorifies him because he knows it. And the reality is that this weapon is amazing. I hope you'll live that way. I hope you'll get to practice in this Christmas season. By the way, we did publish our, uh, our Christmas reading for this season, our scriptural reading for the Christmas season. And so it started today. I hope that that tool has been a blessing to you to get you into the Word as we spend time in the book of John together as a church family over the next 24 days. So my challenge for you this holiday season is to intentionally take time to practice different ways of giving thanks to God. Would you stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.